there's something about that that kind of freed me from that feeling that, you know, that petrifying feeling when I'd show up to the pool of getting dropped or, you know, being slow or not feeling that great or, and it's just like, all right, I can do that. Let's, I'll just show up every dang day. I'll do the best that I can every dang day. And we'll see what happens. Like really, what's the worst that can happen if I just show up every day and do the best I can? What's the worst that could happen? And that was it. And, and that helped me out so much. My swim did get a little bit faster. I think I started enjoying it a heck of a lot more, which was a lot better for me just mentally all around. I didn't dread swimming every day. Um, and yeah, you know, bike and run got even faster. So I don't know. I mean, it could be one of those things that it's not that you resign yourself to like, well, this is it. I'm not going to get, you know, any better than this whatsoever. So what's the point of even showing up? It's like, no, let's just do the best we can every dang day, show up again and again, try this, try that. And it's going to make you better somehow, whether it's just mentally makes you feel a little bit better about yourself or you actually get a little bit faster swimming in the water. Something good's going to come out of it. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, and we're on a mission to create a better world. Part of the way we do this is by sharing stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose. It is our intention to assist listeners in finding more love and purpose in their life, which we believe leads to more fulfilling lives, which can't not lead to a better world. This theme of purpose and the hundreds of interviews we've shared already serve as constant reminders that this life path is ever-evolving and that anything can change in an instant. The truth is everything is always changing, and that is a big piece of why mindset training is so strong within this community. And I think our guest today is the perfect fit along these lines because Lisa Roberts, former professional triathlete turned ultra runner, is a big believer in developing a Jedi mindset. After a long and successful career in triathlon, including countless podiums and course records. Lisa came out of the gates blazing in 2020 when she hit the ultra running community. Between August and December of last year, she set two course records, beat most of the men, and won all three ultras that she raced. We're excited to dive in with this lifelong athlete, and perhaps especially because we have several Team Yogi Triathlete athletes that are prepping for another great year of triathlon and trail racing. BJ and I love to see these two communities blending together and seeing that athletes can have success in both. Lisa, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. So why don't you take us back? I've read a couple different places, like you've been a lifelong athlete. So take us back to your roots. What, where did it all begin? Yeah, well, so I grew up in kind of small town, Illinois, um, and so there, most of what you would do would be sort of, you know, the typical sports, I guess I would say, you know, you'd play basketball or softball or volleyball or things like that. And so I would do a lot of that, um, just kind of team sports things with, with friends during the summer and, um, you know, pick up games here and there, you know, kick the can was really popular (laughs) in my hometown. (laughs) But so, I mean, that, I mean, and I've come, I came from a sporting family anyway. I mean, nobody really played anything professionally or anything like that, but um, we were just always very active people. So my dad always played kitten ball and my mom was, um, even though kind of back in her day, females in sport wasn't really a thing um, then, she still really wanted to and tried to participate in sports. Um, and then I had, you know, my brother and sister are also very much in sports. And so I would probably have to say, even given that, the fact that I became a, an endurance athlete and particularly a runner, 
um, was very odd. Nobody in my family was ever really into the endurance sports. Um, still think I'm nuts, I think, to this day for what I do. They don't still can't quite comprehend how long I'm out there sometimes, but that's okay. <laughs> so, I, and, you know, I think a lot of that came from, I had a lot of support um, from some coaches when I was in high school for, I just picked up on running and really enjoyed it. I mean, I guess I would say I enjoyed it after my first mile race that I had to do in track where I was basically forced into doing it because I was convinced I was going to be a long jumper and a hurdler and I am neither one of those <laughs> whatsoever and so I you know I was trying my little heart out but um, I think I was maybe in seventh grade or something and the girl who used to run who ran the mile for us on our track team got sick so she couldn't participate in the track meet we were going to have. So coach kind of seeing that I wasn't really contributing that much to the team doing my long jumping and um, said, hey, Elisa, you're doing the mile today. And I'm like, do you realize how many laps that is around the track? And he goes, yes, it's four. Get out there and go do it. And so I went out there. I did it. I won it. And of course, you know, at that age, like, oh, I love this. This is great. So that was, I mean, kicking and screaming is kind of how I got into endurance sport, but I loved it as soon as I got into it. So that immediately became my thing. I thought, okay, I'm going to be a miler. And then, of course, it became the two-mile. And, and then I just had support from coaches even as I got into high school um, where I wanted to run cross-country. And our school had never had a cross-country team. There were a few other ones in some little towns around. But I really wanted to participate in it. So my coach, um, Jack Burns, at the time, he, you know, I didn't have my license at this point. Like, we got, like, an individual sort of participation thing to go to different cross-country meets. And he would drive me to these cross-country meets so I could go and participate. And by the time I got out of high school, I was able to kind of wrangle in a couple other girls um, to actually create a cross-country team. And I think this year, even, I visited them a few months ago, and this year, I think they may have won the sectional event or regionals or something. So it's still going on and it's getting bigger and bigger. And so it was just kind of one of those things that just kind of evolved as I got into it. I just kept following things that I liked to do and had a lot of support along the way. I mean, there's no way I would have been able to do any of that without, you know, those people, I guess, seeing in me that, you know, I enjoyed what I was doing. Uh, I don't think anybody looked at me and said, oh, wow, this girl's going to be an Olympian one day. We really need to back her. But I think they enjoyed my, my you know, sheer enjoyment of, you know, participating in sport. And so, yeah, I mean, just from there, it kind of swelled. And so... Again, it was a friend of a friend who mentioned to the cross-country and track coach at Southern Illinois University that, you know, hey, this girl, I was going there to school anyway, to college. They said, you know, hey, if you got a spot on the team, she might be pretty good. She's coming anyway. So I ended up getting a spot on the cross-country and track team. I got a scholarship doing that. Um, so I ran four years in, in college. And then, you know, then from there, when I moved to Tucson to get my master's degree, I just continued on running. And... I mean, at that point, it was still just running until I got to Tucson. And um, when I moved to Tucson, obviously, I was done with NCAA eligibility, so I couldn't do that anymore. And I think a couple things kind of combined um, to, get, to get me into triathlon at that point. Um, I think I was getting maybe a little bit burnt out on just running all the time. Um, I just kind of wanted some, some more variety. And um, I think the other thing that really where triathlon came into my life after I moved to Tucson was... Shortly after I moved to Tucson, um, my dad passed away, and I think moving clear across the country, you know, not knowing anybody, um, losing my dad, um, there was, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different avenues or outlets that people can take at that point for to deal with that kind of, you know, you know, 
destruction, I guess, in their life. Um, and luckily, I just happened to run into some people at school who said, hey, I think you should try to do this triathlon. I'm like, all right, that's cool. That sounds fun. Didn't have a bike, didn't know how to swim really that well, but I knew how to run. I'm like, I can do that. So, so it was just, I think it, for me, it was, it was something that was interesting and different from running. And I think for me, it became a way of coping and dealing, you know, with some trauma that happened in my life. And so it gave me an outlet where, you know, I might have gone down a different road, who knows, but so those things kind of all combined together got me into triathlon. And, I mean, there was, there was no other plan other than that. It was so – it just evolved, I guess. Yeah. Do you normally just feel into things? Is this just like – because, you know, we have these parents that have these like – like you're going to be following this pattern um, through your life. You're going to do this sport. You're going to get to college. You're going to graduate. You're going to get a job. You're going to get married. You're going to have kids. You know the whole path. Yep. Yep. But you just <laughs> seem to like to fill in. Like you just feel into what's next without attaching to maybe specifically how it has to happen. Is that something natural for you? Yeah, it is kind of natural for me and kind of odd because I, you know, I also have a degree, I'm a landscape architect as well, which is all about planning things out <laughs> to the nth degree so that, you know, as it goes into construction or whatever, you know, you can clearly communicate to people how things need to get done. But sort of in my life, it doesn't quite go that way. I mean, of course I have sort of, you know, visions or goals or some aspirations and that's kind of where it starts. And then from there, I, it, I just kind of feel it out because I think if I get if I get myself too rigid into a path, then I feel like I'm cutting off and shutting off too many other opportunities and other doors are closing to me. So um, I just I kind of I have a very wide runway toward goals of mine. It's not very narrow, and I don't really have blinders on um, too much. And I'm I'm okay with getting diverted a little bit, and you know might find my way back, or maybe it takes me a little bit different path. But I'm open to all of that and. And so far, I've enjoyed it quite a bit. I mean, I think the things that I've done and the people I've met and some of the things that I've accomplished that I never thought I would have, um, I don't think I would have had I not had that sort of flexibility, I guess. Mm, yeah. And I think like having the landscape architecture, like it allows you to have that, okay, every, this is going to go here and this is going to be six inches. We got to plant this and we got to do this and all that. Yeah. But I think that having that and then feeling into, you know, maybe for your life, it's like you said, that really broad runway, it provides a, a bit of balance, right? And mm -hmm. and perhaps that's something that, I don't know, you tell me, like, did that help you in your sport of triathlon? Because you do actually need to, like, plan what you're going to eat. Like, you have to have that nutrition plan. You have to have that pacing plan and all of that. But in the moment, you got to feel into things because you never know what's going to happen in a race. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I would say I'm a landscape architect and not an engineer. And that <laughs> There's differences because engineering is so much more precise. Landscape architecture, I guess, while it has a lot of planning to it, um, you have to kind of roll with it. You're dealing with living things. You're dealing with mm -hmm. the outdoor environment. You're dealing with a lot of moving parts. And so while you have a pretty good plan of how it's going to be, you know, what, what I've drawn and what I envisioned at the beginning is typically not exactly, never is going to be exactly how it ends up in the end. But it's going to be pretty close and it's going to be pretty close to the mark and it's going to really work with, you know, sort of, how things evolve to get there. And so it, it is such a balance. And I, I don't even know how to really describe how you keep that kind of flexibility, but yet keep your goal and keep moving toward a goal without getting so distracted that you're completely off or you're not, say, not getting your training in or not doing whatever it might be. Um, you just, how do you describe how that works? 
you just got to be easy with yourself as it goes mm. and realize all along the way that it's going to change and things are going to be a little bit different than, than what you thought. Um, like you said, nutrition. It's like I go, in, I go into all my races with a nutrition plan. Yes, I've practiced it. Yes, some things have worked, some things haven't. But I've also had in the middle of races my tried and true nutri- nutrition plan all of a sudden not working for my stomach that day at all. And so you have to be able to adapt. You can't just freak out and just say, okay, well, I quit then today. You just adapt to it a little bit and go, okay, first of all, let's not panic about this. Let's find something else that might work. Let's try a little bit of this or a little bit of that because I can't just not eat (laughs) for the rest of the race. (laughs) So we need to figure something else out here. And so, yeah, you just, you kind of have to have, you have to know yourself pretty well in order to Mm. do that too. And that's a lot of what I use most of my training for is getting to know myself. Yeah, I try things out, do this, do that. And I try to be brutally honest with myself as to sort of where I'm at, my mindset, you know, the training that I've actually done together. I don't try to fool myself into thinking I'm, you know, more or less fit than where I am. I know where I'm at. And so, <laughs> so I'm not going to try to fool myself. And so it, that, that kind of brutal honesty, I think, also helps you make decisions in the heat of the moment. And if, if you can be really honest with yourself, like nobody else can, then I think you can kind of find your way through things. And so I try to keep that in mind as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, uh, so the brutal honesty also has an element of confidence to it, right? Like being confident in knowing that you can separate yourself from thought, right? Like, is this true or not true? And just, I know that you worked with um, Brett Sutton for a while too, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's seen as, let's just say, volume, you know, volume, mm-hmm. volume coach. And mm-hmm. and did that period help build that confidence? Because I know as an athlete and a coach myself, like when I get volume in, it's sort of that reassurance. It's that comfort. It's that comforting yeah. thing that says, like, okay, you're you you've got this. You've got some solid, solid cred in the game. Did that yeah. help? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely did. And I will say when I shifted over to Brett Sutton to coach. It took me about two years to finally, because I knew what he's about. And I knew that, you know, when you, when you go on with this program and you, and you sign on with him, you know, it's not necessarily his way or the highway. I mean, that he does have some flexibility, but not too far off, but I knew kind of what he does. And I knew the commitment that it was going to take to do that. And so, and to sign on with him. And so it was two years of one or two friends trying to convince me to just, would you just do it already? Would you just do it? And it's like, I just wasn't ready to kind of make that commitment. And so when I did, I did. And I was in and I was like, here we go. And so I knew I was going to have to commit to the volume. I knew I was going to have to commit to, you know, probably doing, you know, more things than I wanted to do, being tight, whatever those things were, but I was ready for that. And so there was a lot of mental preparation that went into that. So when I did get there, it still got hard at, you know, at points, but I could always go back to, I've prepared myself for this. I knew that this was how this was going to be. And so here we are. And so let's deal with it. And, and that I just had to go back to that time and time and time again. Yeah. That, and that's something that BJ says, like there, you know, like you're gonna, your legs are going to feel heavy on race day, or, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be a point in an Ironman where your stomach, you know, you, you go into the darkness, like let's let, okay, let's just agree that that's going to happen, mm-hmm. that it doesn't need to be such a big surprise mm-hmm. when it happens. Mm-hmm. And, and it's about that adaptability to be able to not focus on what happened, you know, a half a mile ago, but what's going to happen in this next step moving forward. And I, I think that's where our mindset mm-hmm. is, is, 
it makes the difference, right? The mindset yeah. is is what makes the difference. And so this adaptability that you have and um, this focus and perseverance that clearly you have, um, where do you think this comes from? Does it come from your mom or your dad or Ooh, friends? Gosh, that's a... I don't know. You know, I mean, I think the, the laser focus stuff probably comes a lot from my dad because I would see him get... He would get stuck into projects, you know, whether it was something he was working on around the house or something. And I just very distinctly remember him when he would get into a project, he was into that project and it was all about that. And it was just, yeah, he just, he was into it. And so I think I got some of that from him um, as well. Um, Cause I think I remember my grandpa also being a little bit like that as well. Um, my mom, bless her heart. Oh, she's kind of all over the place, but <laughs> she gets it done. <laughs> <laughs> she gets it done. So, yeah, I think I, I had a little bit of that sort of that yin and yang thing just, you know, with my mom and dad growing up. And so I could kind of see both sides of it. But, um, yeah, and I think for me, it's just a little bit of trial and error, too, that I just found that I always, I preferred to set myself up for success. Even remembering as a young, I don't know why, it's funny that I bring this up now because I just thought of this the other day for some bizarre reason that, I very distinctly remember when I was a younger girl getting ready for school that a few times I would get up to go to school and if I didn't have my either my bag packed or my clothes out or something I found that I was always rushing to either like I would miss the bus or you know I couldn't eat breakfast because I was just too rushed to try to get things done in the morning and I didn't want to get up any earlier of course. But I thought, okay, well, if, but I found out that if you pack your bag the night before, you lay out the clothes that you want to wear, like those decisions don't take you as long at night as it does the next morning. And I'm like, lo and behold, <laughs> you know, here we go. Okay, if the mornings were much more pleasant. I could eat breakfast. I could make my way to the bus. So it was just things like that that I remember seeing like, wow, you know what? If I really just kind of like just focus on this one thing right now, get this done, then, you know, Later on, I set, I've set myself up for more success. And so, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And isn't that such a ticket for, I mean, I'm speaking specifically for triathlon. It's like I remember coming off the bike after a long day on Saturday, and all you want to do is, like, you know, pour a glass of wine, get your sweatpants on. But it's like, no, I got to wash out the bottles and get them set up for tomorrow's recovery ride before the long run. And it's like getting that stuff prepped up, I think, is the difference in success in your training in racing. It's yeah. huge. It's huge. To, well, it's it's yeah. how, it's how, how bad do you want it? It comes down to yep. like, cause you can, you can make your, you can get, make your way through that recovery ride in that long run, but you know better, right? Yeah. Talk about that brutal honesty. Like, you know, you can be better, you know, you know, you can do yeah. better. Yeah. 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 And I think that's what I'm, I'm always after that. Like I've never, yeah, it's always fun to get results and to get PRs and to and to and to do better, you know, time wise or place wise. But there's that inherent sort of, you know, did I really like how mm. focused was I in this training build leading up to this race? You know, I, I could have done better with that. Like I was wishy washy and I know it. And, you know, maybe it showed maybe I got lucky that day on that race and still did pretty well, you know, or maybe I didn't. And so, you know, the, again, it's a brutal honesty thing. You kind of look back and you go like, 
yeah, I know if I did the training or not. And, and I know if I got lucky that day or not. And, and so I want that, I want to go for a better feeling <laughs> that I kind of just overall, like this whole lifestyle that we're into doing that, you know, I've enjoyed it. And then I've really put myself into it. Um, I'm much more into that, um, than, than it is about numbers or results. Those are nice. And those typically come, you know, if you have that kind of focus and, and, you know, drive and determination, but, uh, yeah. Do you, so when you're like, okay, so when you're looking back and you're like, yeah, you know, like, let's, let's be honest, Lisa, you weren't that focused, you know, yeah. you, 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 there were some nights you didn't get the bottles together and you were rushing yeah. around and you forgot the thing and you da da da. But there's, there's a split there, right? We can go either direction. We can go, okay, I'm going to do better next time. Boom, move forward. Or am I even cut out to do this? Like, what do I even like, why, you know, you're not that great. Now, you know, you're doing this. And Mm -hmm. so you start beating yourself up and, Mm -hmm. and then, then you got to work towards some sort of self forgiveness. Right. Right. (laughs) And I think we all have that voice. I mean, I'm going to assume you've got that voice too, that wants to come in there and and beat you up. How do you navigate that voice? Uh, Because it seems like you must often choose that path to move forward. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that one comes, um, you know, oh, everybody gets that. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think the first the first bit, and you know, I've had my, if there's times whenever it gets really bad, and it does sometimes, you know, I will either, you know, give myself a timeline. Like, first of all, you have to kind of acknowledge that, you know, it's the same thing. It's all about sort of stepping back for that one instant, you know, just just stepping back for a minute, you know, <laughs> um, like, I, I, where have I learned this before? Like, Halt, you know, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Like, are any of those things involved right now? Mm. If you know, if you're like in a grouchy mood or you snapped at somebody or, you know, things just aren't going right, like halt. And then you're like, am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely or am I tired? Like kind of answer those questions. (laughs) Maybe take care of one or more of those things if that's the case. But acknowledging that that if you get to that point, you can kind of acknowledge what's going on Mm. and go, okay, whether this is bad enough that, Maybe I'll give myself, I'll give myself another hour to feel like this or to beat myself up about this, and then we're done. Then we're done with this, you know. Because you can kind of get into these little bit loops, and I've done this too, where it's like, okay, you know, I beat myself up, and then I, you know, go out and smash myself at something, and then I come back and like, nope, I'm still kind of beating myself up because that was stupid, mm-hmm. or you know, all these kind of things, and and so you can kind of get into these little, you're trying all these little, you know, scattershot ways of attacking this kind of mood that you're in or this, you know, negativity that you're in. But if you sometimes give yourself a time limit on it, like, okay, I'm not getting out of this thing, so I'll give it whatever you want to do. An hour to the end of the day, but when I wake up tomorrow morning, like, okay, here we go. We're going to start over. This is going to be better. And, and so I've, I've done that before, and that's, that's worked um, here and there. Um, gosh. But I just think just the overall acknowledging of it is the biggest thing and knowing that this, this will pass. This will pass some way or another. You know, I might have a trick here or there. Um, you know, sometimes those tricks work. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes you just have to kind of get, keep getting creative on it. Um, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and just, just, just knowing that everybody goes through it. Everybody goes through it, whether they, you know, want to post about it on Instagram or not, <laughs> <laughs> which most won't. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that. I, th- I think you just, you just have to keep reminding yourself of that. And if you've got to write it down on a piece of paper, and show it to yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, whatever it takes. I've done that a lot too. Where just just write it down, and then just show it to yourself, or give it to your love, give it to a friend or a loved one, 
and say, okay, if I'm, you know, in one of these moods again, will you please show me this that I wrote to myself, you know, whatever. I, it, I've used those kind of tricks too, so. Yeah, I like that yeah. trick. I like the halt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, like, sometimes you're like, okay, am I hungry, angry, lonely? All, t- all of those things. <laughs> I'm right? like, like, whoa, like full stop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that happens a lot. Yes. <laughs> it's like I'm all of those things and more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, the acknowledgement is huge, right? Yeah. I, I feel like this is what I'm feeling. I feel this. You're not yeah. that. Like, Correct. I think we, we cross a really tricky line where we start saying i am lonely i am angry i am because then we just we it becomes who we are i think you can really acknowledge it mm-hmm. and honor yourself by saying like i feel this way and and like you said whether they're posting on it on instagram or not um everybody has this this voice in their head and um and yeah i mean i i talk to it sometimes i'm just like hey i, I see you Mm-hmm. Like I mm-hmm. see you, and it's this weird, twisted, weird way that it's trying to keep you safe, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. But it just it it loses its way, you know. It just grasps on everything, so it's yeah. just acknowledging it. And then sometimes it's taking a nap, or sometimes it's moving forward anyway, going for a walk, mm-hmm. getting like processing it. But I love the idea of writing notes, journaling. Mm-hmm. Do you journal mm-hmm. at all? Are you a journaler? Um, not a big one. God, I used to be whenever I was younger, but not quite as much anymore. I mean, I, I'm. I'm, I'm a list maker, and so sometimes I'll, I'll write, I'll jot down like little lists. I don't write kind of like big, thorough sentences and paragraphs and stuff about <laughs> things, but um, I'll make, I'll jot little notes, you know, here, and it might be just a couple little keywords um, here and there on certain days, typically yeah. kind of in my, you know, training peaks, you know, log or something like that. But um, yeah, and usually there, there's a handful of those trigger words that I that I know what I mean whenever I go back and mm. look at that. Yeah. Yeah, and you you've been an you've you have a lot of skin in the game. Um, you've been an athlete for a long time. So let's go back a little bit. When does your like yeah okay I'll try it I'll do a triathlon um, <laughs> to racing professional? You had a long career over a decade, eleven years yeah, or so. Yeah, yeah. That one again totally kind of evolved. So um, yeah, so I went I moved to Tucson to get my master's degree in landscape architecture and got that and was starting to do some triathlons for fun while I was um, in school there and, um, you know, having a lot of fun doing it, you know, got, you know, traveled around, do a few races with some friends. And, um, it just so happened that I had moved into a condo. Oh, I think I was, I think I was now kind of working for maybe a year or two. I'm still doing some triathlon stuff, but, um, the, the girl who moved into the condo unit below me happened to be Leanda Cave, of all people. Mm, <laughs> one of I the... had no idea who she was. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She's like one of the greats. She's I, know. Like... I don't know. I just like I, I got home from work one day and there was like a U-Haul van out front. And like the first thing that was unpacked was like the park, you know, to a bike stand. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. You know? <laughs> so I went down, introduced myself. Still, I mean, because, again, I was just kind of participating in triathlon. I was never I was not kind of, you know in it and studying it and knowing who all the people were none of that none of that I was too busy getting my master's degree and trying to you know get a job and doing all those things so I met this girl super cool girl I'm like this is awesome we can go run together and ride and swim because she said she was a triathlete too so I'm like cool yeah good she wasn't I had no idea (laughs) so it was it was I would have to say it was because of her that I actually started racing professionally um because we got to know each other got to become you know we're still really good friends to this day and um, 
she had suggested to me one day, she said, you know, she goes, have you ever thought about doing this professionally? And I said, mm, no, you know, not really. It's just kind of a fun thing. She goes, you're really pretty talented. I think you'd do pretty well. And coming from her, I mean, she's pretty blunt. I mean, she'll tell you when, when she thinks you're right, and she'll tell you when she thinks that you're wrong. Um, and so, which I love that about her. And so the fact that she said that to me really meant a lot, that she would think that much, you know, that I would, you know, be able to do this. Because I knew she wouldn't put me into something that, you know, I wouldn't be at least capable of doing. So I said, okay, cool, you know, I'll, I'll give that a go, and we'll see how that works. And so, yeah, off I went. Um you know, go through the qualification process of getting my pro card. And, and that was it. It was by pure suggestion from some random girl who moved into a condo next to me who happened to be, you know, multiple world champion triathletes. So, <laughs> yeah. How is the, um, paint, paint us a picture of the, cause you talk about not being a good swimmer. So paint this mm-hmm. picture of like, from not swimming to becoming a professional triathlete and incorporating swimming with Leanda, who is one of the you know, strongest swimmers out there. How, how did, oh, yeah. how does that, yeah. how does that come about? Cause we have a lot of people listening. Like I can never do triathlon cause I can't swim or I can never take it to the next level because I can't swim. And yeah. you have said multiple times, like you're not a good swimmer, but yet you had a, a very successful um, professional career. Yeah. I mean, and that boils down to just like pure perseverance with it. And I mean, with swimming, whenever I first started in triathlon, Again, and I didn't have a coach for, for many, many years. I just thought, I had to swim, bike, and run. Like, you know, I'll just show up at the pool a few times, go ride my bike a little bit, go do some running. And, <laughs> and so yeah, it all come together. And so, so no coach for many, many years when I first started. And literally, I mean, I had friends who, you know, had done some triathlons and were some pretty good swimmers. So I would just show up at the pool whenever they would go to the pool and they would give me some tips about, you know, some of my stroke mechanics and, and this and that. So I started to get at least some fundamentals of what the heck I was supposed to be doing out there. And so, yeah, again, a lot of it just came from friends. Mm. Um, but, you know, it, the biggest thing that I think that I, biggest lesson I think I learned even in the beginning when starting to swim, because it's a frustrating sport, you know, picking it up as an adult and coming from doing so many other, I mean, I've always been sort of, I guess, naturally talented um, at, you know, being able to present participate in I'm pretty athletic I guess what is what I'll say like there's very few sports that I can't really kind of pick up except for swimming <laughs> so I'm not very good with technique and so it was that was a humbling thing because you kind of go from mm. sort of like oh yeah I can you know just another sport I can pick this one up give me a little bit of time I'll have this no problem I'll be pretty good but it it, it still to this day I mean all throughout my career was a struggle every single day in that pool was a struggle and I had a, one of my friends when I first started, um, you know, said, he goes, you know, practice doesn't make perfect, you know, perfect practice makes perfect. He's like, but you have to keep showing up every day regardless. And so whether I, you know, even though I didn't want to, and there were many days, and I will admit this, that I just like pooped out on myself and didn't go to the pool because I just thought, oh, this is going to be bad and uh, whatever, or I skipped on a workout and I've never felt so bad about myself, you know, Mm. for days afterward. And again, it's that sort of thing like, do I really want to feel like this at the end of the day? Even if it's a crappy workout, it's still like some time in the water that I could, you know, whatever it is. If I got to like slap on some paddles and a pool boy and just get the darn thing done because I just feel too heavy, then do it. Just get it done. And so, you know, it's, I seesaw it a lot um, with swimming, a lot, a lot, a lot. And it gets frustrating, especially after, you know, I kind of get into racing professionally and you you know, that, that margin of error becomes less and less. And so where I could get away with having, you know, a, you know, 
a lackluster swim, but could probably swim and, or to, could probably bike and, and run to make up for it and still maybe win some races or, you know, whatever, before I turned professional. Turning professional, I went, woo, that all went away immediately. And even more so. Now, I mean, back in, in, back in my day, oh, here we go. Oh, it's been the song. <laughs> but when I first started racing professionally, I mean, you could still, that was still in the days, you know, Heather Fuhrer, I think, was just kind of phasing out some of those other really good runners who you could get away with having a weakness in one of the disciplines in the pro field. These days, not so much because mm -hmm. these kids have grown up doing triathlon their entire life now. Whereas I think, you know, kind of, again, sort of when I was into doing it, we didn't have so many of them who had been doing triathlon their whole life, which I think is attributed a lot to the year 2000 when triathlon became an Olympic sport. I think kind of, you know, opened it up to a lot more people and they recognize it more. So, you know, you do the math, you know, we're 20 some odd years into that and like, well, you know, you got a lot of young 20 something year olds who are pretty dang good in triathlon right now. And, and so... That became more and more frustrating to me because I, I could see where those gaps were and I couldn't, you know, bridge that gap and it was all mainly in the swim that I couldn't get it. I mean, I would work on getting my bike faster and work on getting my run faster and that would make up for some of it. And, and so it's always been a frustration. Um, and, but there was, never any, there was never any substitution to just keep showing up every day. Keep showing up every day. And... I think I would have to attribute even more success in that to when I signed on with Brett Sutton as well. Um, I'll tell you a really funny story. The first time that I actually swam in front of Brett Sutton, I was terrified to swim in front of that man. You know, and I'm in the pool, so I, I go to Switzerland to do his, uh, you know, to train for the summer with him. And that's where, you know, most all the, you know, Nicholas Spierig is there, Daniel Arif is there, like, they're all there. And so I show up to the pool for the first day and they're all standing because that was the thing. Like every day at seven o'clock, we would all go to the pool and, you know, people would be in different lanes depending on their, you know, swim skill. But so I was terrified and I just like didn't want to make a fool of myself the first day. So we jump in for the warm up, mind you, and I take off like a bat out of hell, trying as hard as I can to make sure I don't get dropped by anybody in the warm up. And he sees me swim down the pool and then back. And as soon as I get to the uh, back to the same side of the pool, he like taps me on the shoulder. And he's like, get, get out of here. Get out. Get, come out. Come out. And I was like, what? what, what? So I said, <laughs> I said, yeah, okay, what, 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 what? He goes, he goes, look. He goes, your swim is shit. <laughs> your swim is always going to be shit. <laughs> but here's what we do. He goes, we get you in the water as much as we possibly can. And we get you so athletically and aerobically fit at swimming yeah, we'll work on some technique. You know, we'll, we'll work on a few things. But he's like, we will get you so fit in that water so that when you come out of that water, your lactate levels are so low that it's going to be like nothing. Like you're just going to jump on the bike and you're going to do your run and feel like it. And there was something about that, whether it was just that point in my life because I'd been working on my swimming and struggling and I had many good swim coaches along the way, but nothing ever really kind of stuck or clicked with me. There was something about that that kind of freed me from that feeling that, you know, that petrifying feeling when I'd show up to the pool of getting dropped or, you know, being slow or not feeling that great or, and I just like, all right, I can do that. Let's, I'll just show up every dang day. I'll do the best that I can every dang day. And we'll see what happens. Like really, what's the worst that can happen if I just show up every day and do the best I can? What's the worst that could happen? And that was it. And, and that helped me out so much. My swim did get a little bit faster. I think I started enjoying it a heck of a lot more, which was a lot better for me just mentally all around. I didn't dread swimming every day. Um, and yeah, you know, bike and run got even faster. So 
I don't know. I mean, it could be one of those things that it's not that you resign yourself to like, well, this is it. I'm not going to get, you know, any better than this whatsoever. So what's the point of even showing up? It's like, no, let's just do the best we can every dang day, show up again and again, try this, try that. And it's going to make you better somehow, whether it's just mentally makes you feel a little bit better about yourself or you actually get a little bit faster swimming in the water, something good's going to come out of it. Mm. Well, that yeah. it's, it's clear that I see just, uh, I, and I know we, we resist this so much, but just acceptance, like accept who yeah. you are in this moment, like yeah. relieve all that pressure and expectations that you need to be better than, or need to be further along than where you are. Right. And yeah. I guess I'm talking yeah. to myself too, yeah. but I think we all can, can take away from that is like, meet yourself where you're at now. Yeah. There's many, many ways to get better. Yeah. And it's not to say when you accept where you are that you're not going to improve. It's just it's just saying like, okay, well, this is where we are right now and I'm going to do the best mm-hmm. I can right now and have fun with it. And it, it's almost like he gave you a pass. He's like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Here, yeah. you, you know, here you go. Like you're going to, yeah. this is the way you're going to be in swimming. We're going to get you really fit and we're going to work on the other things and you're still going to yeah. be an amazing, amazing professional. Oh, yeah. I love, I love this section of the podcast because I think people <laughs> get really caught up in technique. And because, and as that, uh, as that being the foundation of how they're going to get better and I'm not dismissing technique by any means, but Mm -hmm. when you are, when you have swim fitness, Mm -hmm. I would say that that like the only way you're going to get from, you know, the start line to the, (laughs) the finish of the swim is by swimming, right? Like Mm -hmm. BJ is always like this, like get in the pool and swim, just swim, like swim, Mm -hmm. swim, swim, and we'll Mm -hmm. fine tune that, but get fit at swimming. And I love Mm -hmm. that. All it was, like BJ said, he gave you a pass, but it was like, it was just a perspective shift. And the perspective that you were holding because you didn't, you hadn't been introduced to a new one was probably sucking so much of your energy right? Like causing stress, which is not good for athletic performance. Mm -hmm. And so nothing really changed. Like you still had to swim every day, you still had to do that, but the, your relationship to it changed. And that's, that's massive. Mm -hmm. That's massive, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he was always very good to, I mean, he's, he's very good as, as a coach of recognizing, um, sort of what needs to be said or done with certain athletes. It's amazing. It was, amazing for me to watch him he'd have a pool deck full of you know 20 people and would kind of would individually be able to go to different people and address a certain issue or put them in a different lane or here you know put this these paddles on or you know whatever it was to be able to address some sort of issue and I mean as a coach you know that's that's a fascinating thing to have but even as an athlete to sort of watch that and witness that and see how it affects you know other athletes and it was just amazing for me to, to watch that and um yeah, for for what he did, you know, even just for me on that on that swimming, just just that just that release helped out so much because there's so much you can get into such of the minutia of you know technique and how the hand goes in like this, and then I'm stiff, I'm pretty stiff as it is, and like let alone having like 37 things in my mind that I'm trying to remember to put my hand in like this and to do this and to do that, and he's just like, nah, just take it and swing it around, and whack, just break it and just do it as many times as possible. I'm like, okay, I'll do that then. You know? <laughs> so. <laughs> But I mean, I've never swam so much, you know, so many yards in a week with, with, especially under him than I ever did. And it was, there was no way that I could have done. I mean, I, it was very common in, in the off season time to, you know, have like 50,000 yard, you know, swim weeks, you know, repeatedly and swimming, you know, two times a day or three times a day. And so to have that sort of mental gumption to show up to the pool, 
you know, that many times a day was, um, that, that was, that alone, just the fact that I did that and that I achieved that, I was like, Shh, I can do anything really at this point. Like, you know, anything else that comes my way, you know, I can do, um, which actually really kind of describes a lot of the races that I would pick out as well, um, to do is, is sort of my, my technique with that also just pick the hardest races like Ember man, like try to do the hardest races ever. And then after that, if you do that, like everything else is pretty easy. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. And Emberman, isn't that, is that a trail? Is that run on trail? No, uh, uh-uh. no. Oh, that's, okay. Uh, yeah, road. Oh yeah. 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 It's on steep oh, yeah. roads. That's right. Oh yeah. It's oh, got 15,000 yeah. oh, yeah. feet of climbing on it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a brute. It's a, wow. Yeah. Well, to, to, like relatively speaking. So most of my Ironman races were, you know, like nine hours or something like that. Emberman, a little bit longer than an Ironman by maybe like 8K on the bike, but 11 hours was what that race would take me. So, and most of that was time on the bike because there was so much climbing on, on the bike portion that, of that race. But again, it was just one of those things that terrified me whenever I first did it. And I did it two times, but um, the second time I think terrified me even more because I knew what I was getting myself into. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it was just one of those things, like it was just so hard that everything after that, I'm like, ah, oh, I got this. Like I've done Ember Man. Like this is this nothing compared to that. So there are all those little things like that that you can do to yourself to, to kind of trick mm-hmm. yourself into kind of, you know, being able to handle other things that come up as it, you know, along the way. Oh, yeah. Like, so we, you know, celebrate your victories and then use them to your advantage. Yeah. You know, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so we got, we have a whole other sport I want to talk about too, though. Um, so you retired at the end of 2020 with Daytona, which was really cool. <laughs> Such a cool experience for everyone. I think, you know, as, as somebody that just sat there and ate pancakes and drank coffee all day and did not work out. Um, it was so awesome because I think we were all craving a race. Um, and going into that, did you know that was going to be your last triathlon? I did. Yeah, I did. And I picked that one for a very specific reason. Um, it was, well, but my friend, you know, owns the race, Bill Christie, um, who we got to be really good friends with, um, whenever I did the first rendition of the Daytona race a couple of years back, um, it was just such a good time and he's such a fun guy. And again, like 2020 was like, that was, that was a year and having kind of like one big race to do, I went like, yeah, this one is it. Like I will go, I'll have a really good time there. I went into that race. Oh, I was, I knew I was not fit enough for it. I was having some back issues and stuff as well. So things were, things were, things were going south a little bit, but it was, it was more about, cause there were so many people that were showing up to do that race again, because it was like the only one that really happened that year. And I think the other thing was that it wasn't, cause Ironman just like the longer distance races were really my bread and butter, you know, over the years. And this one wasn't that it was, you know, a far, fair bit shorter. And so I think for me, to have that as my last race, I was like, I'm going in this sucker to have a good time. <laughs> I am not going to go to try to like, you know, freak myself out and try to win this thing or whatever. Like we're going for a good time. We're going to see all these people. Like, cause there was such a conglomeration of people just that came over from Europe and came over from, you know, Australia. I mean, it's just like, I'm going to, this is sort of like a who's who of all these people that I've seen and gotten to know over the years. It was like, it was the greatest experience ever. Like the, for the last race that I, you know, pro race that I would ever do, it was the best. I mean, I drank way too much wine in the days leading up to it. I mean, because I knew I was not fit. I was like, okay, this isn't going to happen. But um, it was like, I just had a great time with that race. And I, I chose that one specifically um, for that reason. And I'm super glad I did. Um, yeah, I'll never forget. You know, I think it was, 
I said, Michelle Vesterby, she's like, why didn't you choose an Ironman for your last race? I'm like, because I wanted to enjoy it. Like, how? <laughs> like, oh man, you got the whole like build up to like all the training that goes into the Ironman. And then, like, then you're just trashed afterwards. So you can't do anything for a couple of days. I'm like, heck no, I'm going to go. We're going to knock this sucker out in like whatever, four hours or something. And then we're going to have a great time. <laughs> so. And you already had your toes in ultra running at that yes. point, right? So your mm -hmm. first ultra was in August of 2020. Yes. And what pulled you, what pulled you to that? What pulled you to ultra running? You know, I would have to say, I mean, it was always kind of intrigued me a little bit. Um, but I, just the whole like 2020 shutdown stuff. I mean, it was when everything started shutting down, you know, you couldn't go swim anymore. Couldn't go to the gym, you know, races. I weren't, wasn't quite sure what was going on. Um, but I could go run. <laughs> and it was just, it was my first thing that I did as I was starting to process the fact that cause I knew 2020 was going to be my last season of racing. I knew that already, but then I got a few, luckily I was in New Zealand early in 2020, um, and got a few races in, I did Ironman New Zealand and a few other races there. So I did get a few triathlons in, but then like kind of seeing all this stuff going, Oh my God, like that might very well be it. I don't know what's going on. So <laughs> My first reaction whenever I wasn't quite sure what to do or how to handle races potentially not happening that year was to go out and to do the David Goggins 4x4x48 four by four by <laughs> challenge. <laughs> I just did it completely by myself, and I don't know why, but it, it, running, again, it was running that was my outlet, um, I think, for just kind of dealing with like, what the heck is going on here? I don't know how to handle this. And, you know, I had, I kind of had this plan set, you know, here we go, sort of was planning. And, okay, now this is, it's kind of changing here, so I got to figure out something else. Um, and so, yeah, I started off by doing that, going like, all right, let's try that and do that. And that was kind of fun. And and then just figured, I can go run. Now I, I'll, I'll go run these trails that I you know, never really got to go run that much of anymore because, or before because I was too busy training for triathlons. I'm like, well, I don't think there's going to be any races happening. So let's go run this trail that I always wanted to go run and let's go run this one. And, and that's really how it started. And then it just kind of became a matter of, you know, are any trail races going to happen? And those seem to be more likely to happen just because you can spread people out and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so again, super lucky that I ha we happen to have um, Aero Viper running as an Arizona running company. Again, no idea who these people were. They're, like, they're huge in the ultra running, huge. I don't know how I go through life being so clueless. I like very basic things, but this happens a lot. So I'm like, oh, these guys look cool. So and like they were actually able to get a few ultra races off, mm -hmm. and they were obviously in Arizona. So I just you know drive up to Flagstaff, or you know, so it was very reachable for me. And I still had, obviously, I still had sponsor obligations, too. So I was desperately trying to find a way to kind of, you know, to keep, you know, my sponsors happy and keep sort of being out there and relevant and, you know, help promote them as well. And so this, it was a great for, way for me to promote. And luckily, a lot of my sponsors are, were kind of sort of mixed in with, like, you know, compressed sport and things. They were mixed in with kind of trail running as well. So they were all for it. They're like, yeah, sweet. If you can get into a race, that's awesome. This is really cool. So... There's a lot of things that kind of combined with that, but I think, again, it was just a, a way of just coping. I could go out there and I would just run on the trails for hours at a time, no particular pace. I didn't really care. I mean, trail running, like all that kind of, all the pacing stuff goes out the window. I mean, I, I won trail races with like an average running pace of like eight and a half minute miles, which is like, which is slower than my easy runs on the road. And so it's like, wow, it, it, it was such a shift in mindset and such, such a shift in perspective of, 
what athleticism was and, and, you know, how I could push myself in different ways that I was just, this is cool. I'm in for this. Let's sign me up. <laughs> yeah. And being out, being in nature, like when there's just, yeah. mm-hmm. there's so much ungroundedness, right? In the yeah. world and so much unknown and to be out there in nature. And I know the trail runners who are listening to this are like, yeah, we get it. Yeah. Like they even shut down the trails here, which I admittedly snuck on a couple times, like through the back end, you know, and you'd mm-hmm. see like one person out there and give yeah. a high five, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like we did it. Um, but like Beach and I found this trail up in, Orange County and we would just run I would run it every Saturday every Sunday every Saturday every Sunday and it was just so good to uh to be outside so your first your first one was up in Flagstaff but then you did one of our favorites which is Havelina 100 yes so what did you think like what were your expectations going into a hundred (laughs) k zero zero and here's what I'll tell you so so I did the first I did like a 54k like the pine um Oh shoot, pine pine something in Flagstaff. It was one of the Air Viper races, and so that was the first time I had ever run any. Well, second time. I'll tell you the Grand Canyon story, but um, second time I had ever run anything over a marathon in my life. So I, as far as a race goes, so I did that one in Flagstaff, and so got to meet a few people there at that race. And they said, "Oh, are you doing this race as training or as your lead up into Havelina Hundred?" And I said, what is that? <laughs> they said, oh, well, it's 100K. They have a 100K and a 100-mile race. You know, it's on Halloween. It's like, you know, a big costume party and stuff. And, and I was like, absolutely not. Like, 100K, that's ridiculous. Like, I just did my first 54K, and now you people are trying to get me to do 100K? Are you nuts? Like, this is crazy. But, of course, like, the little seed was planted. And I'm like, oh. So I started kind of doing a little bit of research on it. And, you know, seeing I knew the trails that it was on. I'm pretty familiar with those trails there. You know, McDowell Mountain Park and... I was like, huh, okay, all right. And then I just one day I was like, yeah, what the heck? You know, I could probably do this. What the heck? What could I kind of doing the math going like, it would probably take me about like nine hours or so. I can do something for nine hours. I've done that a lot. So that was it. So I signed up <laughs> for the 100K, <laughs> like swearing up and down to this guy. I'm like, absolutely not. You're nuts. Like I'm not doing 100K. So of course a week or two goes by after I sign up for this thing. He sees my name now on the start list and goes, "Oh, I see you're going to show up with 100K." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh man, I'm sorry. I didn't. I wasn't going to do it when you asked me. I wasn't going to do it." So yeah, again, one of those things just kind of randomly jumped into it, thinking, you know, how bad can it be? Mm. It's a multiple loop course, so if I completely tank out, I can always bail if I need to. And um, again, just in it for the experience. Curiosity is a very big thing of me, for me. Um, whenever I sign up for races or get interested in races. So I was, I think I was very curious to find out what would happen, like kind of the things I would go through sort of mentally and physically being running for that long. Um, cause I'd never run that long. And, um, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, this is pretty curious. And it, again, it's, it's sort of a looseness with it. I'm like you have to be, I think one of my favorite quotes, I think, um, oh, who's, who's the snowboarder guy? Um, I like the red hair, Sean White. Yeah. I think he was in, did an interview once, and you know they asked him kind of you know how how does he do it? Like how does he go about doing this? And and he said it's he goes he has intense focus, but also slightly doesn't care about it very much. You have to have that little bit of like you have to be very focused on what you're doing, but you also have to slightly not care because <laughs> you can't get too attached to it because when you when you grasp on mm-hmm. too tight then, you know, things start to go wrong. Like you start to lose kind of the overall picture of things. And so I've, I've heard them say that about figure skaters too, like in the Olympics. Like if they're just trying too hard, then like they get stiff and they start to make mistakes mm-hmm. and you just, there's a little bit of a flow to it. And so 
and I think triathlon, the different, the different biggest difference I think I've seen between triathlon and ultra running is that kind of sort of kind of letting it flow sort of thing, especially if you get onto pretty technical trails. Like you can't be so rigid. You can't be, you cannot be looking down at your watch to see what pace you're going. First of all, who cares? Second of all, like I got to worry about that rock that I have to jump over there or whatever. So like, I don't even show on my screen when I do trail runs, like it doesn't show pace at all because it just doesn't, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like you have to be, and you have to kind of, you know, sort of look a few steps ahead of where you're going. So you, you, you kind of plan those next few steps and then you execute them, but you're always kind of slightly looking ahead and you have to be a little bit relaxed with it. Cause if you're a little, if you're too stiff, you're going to go down. If you mm-hmm. get a little bit too lackadaisical, uh, you're going to trip on something. I've, and I've done both of those. And so it was such a difference in, in mindset in how I approached, um, you know, a sport that I, it really, it, it really intrigued me and still does to this day. So. Yeah. It's a different feel. I love both of those communities so much. And I love that I get to play in both and I, it's not like I like one and don't like the other. Um, but the the ultra community because I came from triathlon was just like whoa like this it I feel like every race is a party but Havelina yeah. is like <laughs> the party oh my god it was great and even that I mean it was because I did obviously it did in 2020 and so it, that was a pretty toned down version of what it normally yeah. is oh yeah and I missed it this year because dang it if we didn't have somebody in the office that you know came down with COVID I was supposed to do it I was actually going to do the hundred miler this year and, um, at, at Havelina. And so we had some in our office that had COVID and then, and I was, you know, right next to, and so I felt I, there was no way I was going to fly to Arizona, you know, knowing I'd been exposed to COVID. I'm like, I can't do it. So that was kind of a bummer, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, it was back to it. I think it's usual partying self. So I've got to get there and like experience the full, the full Havelina hundred. Yeah. Do you think you'll be there next year? That's on my list of things to do. Yep. Nice. Yeah. For, for a hundred. 100 miles. I think I'll do it for the 100, yeah. Because yeah. I promised, I promised Jubilee, who's the race director of that yeah. line, I said, <laughs> she's great. <laughs> she's so awesome. I was like, okay, girl. I go, you were the first 100K race I did. You're also going to be the first 100-mile race I do. So I cannot do any 100-milers. Like, Havilene 100 has to be my first 100-miler. So mm-hmm. I promised her. <laughs> Are there anything for, is there anything like leftover or that you carry over, I should say, from your triathlon training? Do you cross train on the bike or swim or, or anything like that? Or are you just like full on like, yeah, I retired and I'm a runner now? <laughs> um, for ultra running, I kind of, you kind of have to do that a little bit. Like you just have to get that time on your feet a lot. I do throw in a few things here and there though. Like if there's just it's not anything like on a regular basis. Like it's not really necessarily part of my weekly plan. Um, I will throw in, you know, a swim or a bike ride here and there. If like, if I just kind of feel like the legs just, I still need to get some aerobic work in or I mean, swimming is usually more for recovery thing. If I really feel like I need to kind of flush the legs out a little bit and swim, I'll do that. Um, cycling will come in if I just, you know, still need to get something done and get some aerobic work in, but Maybe the legs are just like a fair bit too trashed. Um, I mean, there's some amount of trashing the legs that you have to kind of do. Because that was the thing that the only thing, I mean, aerobically, when I did that first 100K, totally fine. Like, I've, you know, talking with people. And that, that was my whole approach at any of the ultras that I've done. Like, if I can't carry on a pretty decent conversation, like several words at a time with people as I'm running along or as I get to an aid station or something, then I'm probably going too hard. And that has been my approach on all the ultras that I've done. And it's worked out pretty well so far. 
Um, I have, you know, I've been able to kind of hold a pretty good steady pace, but I'll tell you what the, what has gotten me the most is just like the sheer leg pain <laughs> that happens after being on your feet and pounding that long. It's, and that's what I need to work on more than anything. Um, so I carry over the aerobic uh, work and I will mix in some, some cycling and some swimming, um, for recovery or to keep up some aerobic, um, work, but yeah, there's, there's nothing that, you know, that replaces just that, some of that time on the feet that you have to what- get in. What's your approach? What's your approach to getting that time, that pounding on the legs, like downhill running or back-to-back days? Like, what are you yeah. sort of getting curious about? Yeah, some downhill running for sure, especially if I know it's going to be, you know, kind of a you know, a lot of downhill on the course. Um, I will do, yeah, a lot of back-to-back days, um, a lot of two a days, sometimes even three a days. Um, I'll do. Um, that's a good replacement, even you know, especially if. If you're a little bit time crunched or you, you have more, you don't have like one big block of time, but maybe you can have like a couple smaller blocks of time during a day. Um, you still get all the, I mean, you still have all the feels on that last run of like your legs being trashed. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I will do, I've done up to, you know, like three runs in a day. Um, but yeah, back to back days for sure. I will um, do, there's usually running that happens like pretty much ev- almost every day might be shorter or longer. Um, and you know, as I get more into closer to the races, I try to build up, there's usually a midweek, um, long run that happens up to 20 some odd miles, which is the, which is the most different kind of thing that, you know, I'm not, I'm not used to that. And then, but then there's also kind of a really hard back to back, um, weekend run. So there might be like a 30 miler on a Saturday and then you back it up with like a 15 miler on the Sunday. Um, again, not really anything that has to do with pacing or, you know, any sort of like certain speed that you're going, but just, you know, you just got to get yourself out there and, and run. Time on the legs. Time on the Time legs. On the legs. How, how's the downhill game? <laughs> I, it needs some work. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. It needs some work. <laughs> yeah. Again, that's a, that's a whole flow thing yeah. that I don't, it, it, some days it's better than others and I'm getting a little bit better. Um, and more confident with it. Honestly, like a lot of it has had to do with like shoe choice. Like I've, I've gone through, you know, many different shoe choices as to what I feel most confident in Mm -hmm. descending when running in. Um, but, um, yeah, that's one that just, it's, that's a constant practice, constant practice. Yeah. As as I dip my toes in both to my, I I have the thing in the mind, the, you know, the un unsteadiness, (laughs) instability of the, of the terrain and just, um, knowing that I still have to um, participate in triathlon, but it is exciting. You know, it's the same thing I experienced when I was mountain biking, you know, we started mountain biking and just cruising through the trees and it's like Mm -hmm. super unknown and sort of a little fearful. Like you're almost like, Oh, this is intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the more you do it, just like you said, I think the more you do it, the more experience you gain that the mind begins to get that familiarity with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That downhill, it's like, you've got to, you really got to relax. Yeah. Um, focus, not be scared, like the scared piece, like, cause that, that can really make you rigid, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you got to just keep relaxing, relaxing, yeah. relaxing, relaxing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're trail runner. You're going to go down. Like you're going to go down, <laughs> you know? And that's the thing too, acknowledging that, like, okay, like I'm, it, this is going to happen eventually. It's going to happen. I'm going to go down. And I have before. And so if you can just kind of just sort of like say that to yourself, like not, you don't want it to happen, obviously, right. but like if you're trying so hard to not go down, then, oh, you know, you, you're really going to struggle. And so you just have to, you know, build up a confidence in, in each one of those footsteps that you take. So when you choose that, 
next step or the couple steps ahead, you know, be confident in that choice and, you know, make that step and go. Don't second guess it at the, you know, at the last minute or whatever, because then you're going to get yourself into trouble. So just be confident in yourself and, and do it. And yeah, you might flub up a few times and you might, you know, fall, but that's going to happen. That's part of it. Yeah. Um, to, as we wrap this up, I want to ask you a little bit about the force because because <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you've mentioned it a few times. Like I've seen it a few times mm-hmm. in your, you know, not more than a few, more than a few times. Let's yeah. let's be real. Um, but what is it to you, and how do you pull upon it? Yeah, it's I, it's everything to me. I mean, I, it's I know it sounds really really dorky, or it might be kind of dorky, but. It's not really. And when you, if you really, I mean, I, not to mention, I've always been a fan of the Star Wars movies anyway. I've always enjoyed them from the time I was a very little girl. And even now more so whenever I go back and watch. And these are like even the original ones that were, you know, came out back in the 70s. And, and so I liked it for its goofiness and its kind of campiness. But also, like, there's a lot of really good life lessons in there. And so, I mean, that's kind of, that kind of is sort of me in a nutshell, like, you know, I like the good life lessons and I like the good life experiences, but you know, yeah, I'm also kind of goofy and a little bit sort of weird and, and, <laughs> but it's just, there's, and again, with trail running, there's so much of kind of this flow state that happens when you're out there in nature and just moving through nature is such a powerful experience that I enjoy so much, not only just from the athletic side of it, but also again, being a landscape architect, obviously I enjoy nature and, and understand it and like to be in it a lot. And so there's just a, this oneness that become that you become with you know nature when you're out there, um, you know good days and bad days. Just taking a look around and seeing what you're you know what you're experiencing and what you're in and what you're looking at and just being part of that is what it's been all about for me. I mean, shoot, even in triathlon too. Like it's always been about sort of the people I'm around and the experiences that I'm having and, and what we're all sort of doing together and collectively, you know, sort of this collective suffering or whatever it might be on that day. Um, but it's, it, it, I mean, it started off as kind of like a goofy thing with the first mountain run that I did was a race I did in, in New Zealand with my husband, coast to coast race. We did it as a relay. And so my main portion was a 30K mountain run. And that was a legit, there's a difference between, Trail running and mountain running. Mountain running is way different, especially the Kiwis. The Kiwis are nuts when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, but my first thought was whenever I was out there training and running through like these green, you know, forests and fields, you know, typical New Zealand sort of like just spectacularness was that I just pictured Luke Skywalker, you know, in his Jedi training with Yoda on his back, you know, like sort of just running through the trees in this mossy forest and everything. And I just... It was like, yeah, that's it. That's sort of what I'm into this for. It's just sort of this oneness with nature and just being out there and moving around in it and and picking up on it and using it. And so that was it. I, I was like, that's it. I'm finding myself a Yoda. I'm throwing them on my back because that's what that's how I'm approaching this. And that's about you know how seriously I'm taking this. And so here we go. And it's been great. I've had so many people. Everybody recognizes the little guy. And so if I'm out there doing trail runs, like I've, I, I'll always get, you know, you get like the little kid that's like, oh my gosh, baby Yoda. Or like you get the grown man that says, oh my gosh, baby Yoda. Or, you know, you get the, you know, may the force be with you. You know, you get all sorts of stuff. So it's just a great way to kind of make friends when you're out there as well. <laughs> so it's kind of like what I hear you saying is like the force is that thing that binds us together, right? That yeah. connects us all mm. with the trees yeah. and each other and what we're doing and yeah. something greater than ourselves. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Love absolutely. it. That's awesome. I think it's a great way to, <laughs> yeah, we can to wrap, wrap it up. up and I think that, you know, people who love running the trails can totally relate with what you're saying. I mean, it's medicine. It's total medicine. And then we can learn so much 
from nature, mother nature, patience, you know, resilience mm -hmm. and perseverance. And what our teacher uh, has said to me before, he said, just don't go out there and just take. He yeah. said, take, like take and then give. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're living those lessons that she's teaching you. Don't just go out there and take from her and let her make you feel better. Mm -hmm. Like go learn all of that stuff and then go out in the world and live it. Yeah. And um, yeah, and that's, I think, I agree with you. That's the force. Mm. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. So any, um, okay, so maybe have Alina next year, but any, anything else coming up that maybe we may see you at? Well, I think I got talked in. I didn't know what it was. They just, uh, Blue, Blue Ridge Relay. So apparently it's a 200 mile relay race that's run from Virginia to Asheville. So I had, yeah, some friends that I've met here in Charlotte, they said, Hey, would you want to be on our relay team for Blue Ridge, Blue Ridge Relay? And I said, sure, what is it? <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, count me in. What am I doing? Yeah. It's so, so that's in September. Um, I figured that would be good. That would be a nice little kind of, you know, extra some training leading into Havelina. Um, yeah, I'm not – I haven't totally figured out what I'm going to do. I'm definitely going to do some 50K trail races, kind of explore more some of the mountains in and around here. So, you know, you've got a lot of stuff in Tennessee and, and in Georgia and, and here in, in North Carolina – so get to experience some of the different um, trails and forests we've got out here and then, you know, hop over, definitely hopping over. I mean, I think Havilene 100 is probably, I, if I say to have, have an A race for next year, that would probably be my A race because I kind of want to nail that one if I can. Um, but yeah, and I, you might even find me in a marathon um, here and there. I don't know. I'm going to try to get a little bit of speed back on the roads and see if I can't bust out a good marathon. But haven't totally set my whole schedule yet for next year but um yeah a lot of running races and i'm always up for a relay so if anybody clearly i am whatever it might be you might not want me to be your swimmer but um yeah that's awesome um, and where yeah. can people get more of you if you um, instagram is probably when i'm most active in and that's um run jedi run is my um, handle with little underscore in between the run and jedi awesome. um so yeah i'm i'm there quite a bit usually posting some goofy stuff here and there, but yeah. Cool. Lisa, it's been awesome talking yeah, with you. Thank you. Thanks so much, so much for your time thank today. You and uh, yeah, I know our listeners appreciate it. So keep going, keep running, keep climbing and keep getting faster on those downhills. Yeah, just, keep, just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yep.